Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, beautiful human. Thank you so much for letting us into your ears today. We are about to get to know Black Bear. I'm so excited. We're going to talk about everything from life to mansions to music. I mean, Boyfriend and his six studio album, Loving Memory. There's so much on the agenda. So get ready for a great conversation. And please, while you're here, subscribe to our podcast and share it with those you care about. Cool? Cool. Here's Black Bear. Hello, beautiful human. My name is Zach. That is Dan. And we welcome to the studio... Black Bear. Hi. Thank you <laughs> for giving us your time and energy. Spit my lifesaver out because I'm going to be like. <laughs> yeah, you can literally. We'll blur it out so nobody sees you doing any of that. I'm going to save it too. Oh, that's good. I'm that's, not. Yeah, I'm going to put it on the table and I'm going to put it back in my mouth. That's really frugal and really. I like that actually. Well, I only brought like ten in my pocket, so you got to to last for the day. Mm-hmm. So I got. I can't just like be throwing lifesavers out. You suck on them. You don't chew on them. Yeah. I, no, they're 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 like the hard candy lifesavers. Yeah, yeah. So but people chew them. He chews them. I bite right it's in. It's so them. bad for your teeth. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's not good. Yeah. Uh, question: Your hair is yeah. attached to self-expression, right? It has I don't to know. Be. What do you mean? I mean, you, your hair change. By the way, it's amazing. Thank you. Um, but I I follow what one of the, my favorite things to do on the internet is follow your hair chronicles and <laughs> see how they move and they change and i do believe that the way people do their hair is attached to at least what they want to express in that moment it's you know it yeah definitely moves i change it for every like video performance like we're doing james corden tomorrow so this is the hair for corden sick so i change it for i'll have a new one for the vmas this weekend <laughs> And it usually matches like whatever the stylists are going for. Got it. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, this weekend, Matthew Williams from Givenchy is styling me. So I'll probably do like a baby blue because he he likes to do black with baby blue. So oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for being here, by the way. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I've been a genuine fan for quite some time. Thank you, man. I mean, you have had an incredibly fascinating musical run. As we approach the sixth studio album, mm-hmm. is it wild to think that you're at number six? Am I supposed to hear you in these headphones? Can you not hear me? No. Oh, I want to fix that. My headphones aren't on. Oh, bro, I sound the best through headphones. Oh, okay. Oh, my God, that's so disappointing. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm so sorry. Dude, I'm sorry, Zach. No, is it, is it, it's a much better... Just tell me. It's I sound so much better this way, right? Oh, yeah. It's like you got like this... I sound so much better this way, right? <laughs> this summer... <laughs> I really am addicted to the way I sound through processing. It's uh, it's really unhealthy, <laughs> and it's bad. Me too. I do Ryan Seacrest jobs sometimes, and they ask me to do because when I turn on my radio voice, it's like, "Hey, what's up? It's Black Bear," and like I I, I turn it on, and like like they wanted me to like replace Seacrest. I, I I've heard you host on Sirius XM Hits One. Yeah, you're out there. Yeah, I'm out there. I'm doing it. But, so six to you album, but a musical journey that. Is so incredibly fascinating. It starts in emo and 
very pop punk. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that is it correct to say that like Polaroid was that was emo, correct? Yeah. But then you move into R and B. Yeah. Well, I sent out all my demos that I had to like various people, like like um, Ultra Records in Miami, and like I sent it out to um, a few other like songwriters and producers. And Neo was the first person to write back and said, "Hey, come for a week to Atlanta and record with us." And I ended up, I ended up staying for three years, learning what? learning under Neo. What did what do you think, or did you ask him? Like, what did Neo hear in those demos that he was like? I don't know. I never asked him what he heard in me. He, I was just like the token white guy. <laughs> I was just like, I was just like the guy that was around that made acoustic music and like any song that came in that was like acoustic vocal. They were like, "Hey, cut this," and like so I was just the token dude, like just you know. But because it's not just Neo, it's all his producers. Yeah. That's that's who I really learned under was his camp, you know. So all the producers and. And like B major or just major, you would know him as today. Like I learned from him, and like, yeah, I, he, he's the first person I saw go into a studio, lock the door, and come out with a song. So I was like, I want to do that. I want to produce, write, and come out with a song like by myself. I want to be self-supporting. Well, so what fuels that? Isn't an understanding that like with a band, there's just emotions and other personalities that need to be managed to yeah craft. It's like having five girlfriends, honestly. Yeah, and and. You, and it's also like having um, five children that you have to pay allowance to, too. Yeah. And so in my band, I was like managing. We didn't have a manager. So I booked all the sh- I was the booking agent, too. I booked all the shows. I like managed the band. I wrote all the songs. And like they wrote some of the music to the songs, of course, but because that's what a band does. And so it was just like um, coming from that out of high school it was just like i want to do this like for real like i want to do this seriously in that moment do you realize that i mean that it's you and only you that it takes to craft something great or do you realize that like you do need other people in that studio to make a hit song um it depends because i i made idfc by myself in a room with no one you know, and that's four times platinum now. And it's just like, it's just like, I don't know. Like, like, yeah, collaboration is great and good, but believing in yourself is more powerful when you really believe in yourself. But at what point in your career did you realize, or did you have that belief in yourself? Because that's rooted in confidence, right? I don't know if it's confidence and maybe it's confidence in your craft and like, but I just, I just knew I had something to say and a way to make the world feel. When did you realize that though? Um, probably around the afterglow when I started making Black Bear. Got it. Yeah. What elements of emo music did you carry with you into R&B? Um, I, probably lyrics. Because, you know, I couldn't find sex or foreplay <laughs> out there. Yeah, because they're not, they're not like official Black Bear releases. They're like um, my demos. Uh, do they exist anywhere on the internet? No. Probably YouTube. Got it. Yeah. SoundCloud is a big part of your DNA too. Yeah, huge. I thought I'd find them there. No, no, no. Are you proud of those? No. What? When were you? Do you remember when you started to actually feel pride for the art you were making? It was the afterglow. That was it. Yeah, that's why I. That's why I only. I considered that the first Black Bear album. But could you have gotten there without everything else? No. 
It's wild to think, right? Yeah, I just don't like the other shit. <laughs> but you learned from it. <laughs> I learned from it, but I just don't like it. I wouldn't. I don't want to listen to it. So, what do you take with you from that time with Neo that you brought with you into the afterglow? What do I take from? The what did time? you learn? Like that you actually applied in crafting that first body. A lot. Of work? Of, I mean, it's. I would. It would take. It would take like three days to tell you everything. But I mean, um, I mean, just down to like you cut your vocals like this you you doubled this you the the formula is like this and you start a song with this many words and you you make sure that this note always lands on this beat and this there's a formula to like hit records and like all this stuff and like some people believe there's a formula but i just think it's like um the way people relate and and, and the time period you're in mm. i feel like you the time period and the, the the temperature of culture does matter. It no, a hundred percent. If you miss your window, it's not a hit song anymore. That's how. That's what I think. Is there something to holding a song until the temperature's right? Because if you release it, even pre, like you can miss it, or you can miss it either on the the front end or the back end, right? Right. Of the moment. It depends. I I think if you have like, if you have like, I don't know an idfc you can release it anytime and it's gonna work anytime just because it's it's honest and it's real and it'll touch people um but if you have i don't know a, a hot girl bummer i don't think i could release it today and it'd be as big of a hit as it was um right before lockdown yeah it just fit uh hot girl bummer was kind of me in the club sing it was when i was single and I was like freshly out of a relationship and I was, I just, I turned to the club and turned to my promoter friends to take me out and show me a good time and pay a bunch of girls to be around us and like get the bottles with the sparklers and like everything and like play my song and like make it, make me feel like I'm a way bigger artist than I am. And I like, I just made hot girl bummer about that, that experience. A song like that goes on to change your life in a major way mm -hmm. as like, it is easily, I mean, dude, it's still played on radio stations every other hour all over the country. Mm -hmm. Like it is one of, do you consider it one of your biggest records that you've ever put out there? How do yeah. you establish what a big record is to you? Um, a hundred million streams is a good like indicator idea. So like I've, I have, I have for me, like those are the ones that touched a lot of people and yeah, I don't know. There's there's ones like Me and Your Ghost is over 100 million streams. I think Queen of Broken Hearts is close to that. And then Miss the Old You, Dirty Laundry. There's a, I have like a bunch. IDFC, Hot Girl Bummer, IDFC Acoustic um, that are well over 100 million streams. But um, I don't know. Did you expect Hot Girl Bummer to be... It's beyond a moment because it lasts still to this day. Like it will be a yeah. song I think they'll play on the radio for... I don't know. I don't see it as a song that they'll play on the radio forever. I really? feel like I feel like it was just that moment, that summer, you know. That's. Do you see all your songs as a moment? Um, I see all my songs as like they have many moments for sure. Has songs changed what they mean to you over time? Yeah, yeah. Some of them, I'm like. Some of them, I li I listen back to, and I'm like wow i was like really hurting in this time like i was really going through it and i made this song and it makes me self-reflect and be like wow like i grew so much and i got out of that and yeah it definitely yeah 
takes a new meaning. Yeah, it takes a new meaning and yeah, makes me feel for the old me, you know. How do records start? Is it lyrics and story first or is there... It's like always one? different for yeah, me. Yeah. In one way. Usually just an, an acoustic guitar and a vocal, usually. Has that been like a constant? For me, yeah, that's all I know. Wow. Yeah. I, I always talk about it, but like, is it true that all good songs can be played on an acoustic and remain extraordinarily great? Yeah. What is it about an acoustic guitar and that simplicity? Um, if you can strip anything down to just a piano and vocal or acoustic and acoustic and vocal and it still be great you, I think you have something special and like um, that's why I write all my songs on acoustic first um, and the ones that I don't um, I don't know they're sometimes not as special but I, I, I there's I don't have like a formula for every, you know I, I just like kind of I kind of just push a button I push a bunch of buttons until something works that's kind of like what I that's my formula but you hear it right yeah if some there's a thingy if there's like a thingy then then we're good <laughs> is this thingy different every time yeah so you mentioned trying to learn or understand at least a basic formula like the building blocks of a hit song mm -hmm. yeah do you think that formula still applies or has it changed over time i think that's kind of like an old person thing i don't know i i, I think like making like of course, like it worked for people like Max Martin and Dr. Luke, and it's still working for them to this day because they just know how to make hits. But um, I don't know. Maybe I should learn something from them and like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's going pretty well. But also I find it incredibly cool that one starts in pop punk and ultimately studies under R&B greats and urban greats and then comes out i mean yeah you write incredible numb boyfriend you have your era with mike and you just released a song with him for the first time after four years but then you still end up in pop punk yeah i mean keeping a genre and a format that has been so heavily influential in my life that i thought for a while dude was gonna go away like i was really nervous mm -hmm. really when bamboozle started closing down and warp tour Warped started tour, yeah like I was really, like I was, I, it was just a just a safety. Safe I wish harbor. Warped Tour would come back and I can headline it. That I, would be like so great. I would love. I think it's going to come back in new ways. Maybe our friends over at Emo and I can do something. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Th there's a community there. Yeah. What like, what brought you or what what keeps you attached to that genre? Because you can do anything. <laughs> um, that's just all I know. That's what I learned. That's, you know, that's what got me to love music. Like in a way, like, like I passionately fucking love music and it's because of Newfound Glory and The yeah. Used and Blink and Midtown and Census Fail and, and just, I don't know. I just, I think, I don't know. I just, I think at this moment in time, I just wanted to make a album for me an album for the fans and not really give a shit if it was if it was going to end up in a movie or end up on the radio or end up on on pitchforks list of good songs like i just don't give a shit at all i don't that's the biggest difference between in loving memory and everything that's come before um maybe in loving memory and the album that's come before it yeah got it got it so fifth and sixth mm -hmm. what changes 
where you just don't give a shit. It's an era. It's just like every album I go into a different era. I start, I don't know, this era, I started dyeing my hair all fucking crazy. And um, I do something different in every era. And it's just like, I don't know. Um, every album has a color. And like, it's just, it's, I'm in the era and I obsess over that digital drug Lord was orange and everything. I was, all my clothes were orange and my nails were orange. And I just like, that was such an era for me. And I just want people to like get lost in my era. Where does the era begin for you? Is it seeing a color and then crafting to that? No, no, no. It's, it's once an album's done, I wait to get inspired by something and I start a new one. What inspired number six my real father passing away that's do you process and then begin to write or no i just begin to write really and and hope that by the end of the album and when it comes out that i've processed by that time and i don't even know if i have at i maybe i have it's been a year um but I just, I hope to have processed every, all the shit that I was going through by the time the album comes out. Do you write this alone or do you, I mean, I mean, I do a lot of it alone. Like the, the, the intimate parts of my music are alone. It's those, that's, I write in my phone and I write the ideas in my phone and like, um, I don't know. It, every all the intimate parts of the lyrics are I don't co-write with anyone. Um but you know Andrew Goldstein will send me a chorus idea or a melody and we'll use it and then I'll write lyrics to that. It ha- so I have no formula, but I it, we talk to so many artists and I've yet to and I always ask the question of like do you process while you write? Do you process before? And I've never gotten somebody who actually processes while they write and uses the process to like really dissect and figure out. Yeah. You learn a lot. Yeah. I mean, even just being alone, but also sharing it with people you trust. Yeah. What is it like to share this body of work at all with anybody? Or uh, even an idea? It's like group therapy or something. It's like, um, it's kind of like sitting down and being like, this is what I'm going through. This is what's happening in my life. How can we put that into a song that helps people in some way? I mean, it, but you make music. with other artists. I with other artists, I do that. What are you going through right now? What do you yeah. need to say to the world that you haven't said yet? Um, you know, what is your what is your era right now? Like, what is your color right now? You know, like that's that's what I care about as a writer. When you're making this album, are you really making it for you or for others? This one was for me. I might have made other things in the past for other people. Um, I don't want to mention any albums, but I I might have made an album or two for other people. Can you hear the difference? Yeah. It's. Do you see all of it, though, as an extension of yourself? Yeah, of course. I've always made it like true to myself, but the the intent was maybe different and i'm just like admitting that to you but how do you define the genre that you craft in today like how do you see pop punk how do you see emo music well i see myself apart from all of that i don't see myself a part of 
pop punk at all i i see myself like like a, a pop punk lover that's that's admiring it and using parts of it in totally. my own in my own thing um but black bear is has always been its own uh avenue and uh it's been a place for you know people who don't fit in to go and fit in totally. and yeah so um by the way isn't that art today as a whole isn't that music today as a whole in terms of genres are in my mind nothing but economically crafted boxes mm -hmm. to just put a label on a label to put a label you get what i'm saying well, like like conversation like in a conversation you want to be able to say oh i listen to this it's kind of like pop punk oh i listen to this it's kind of like r&b you know like totally. so so it's just like meant for conversation and i guess if somebody talked about me they would be like oh he's kind of like a rapper he's kind of like a singer he he's just did an album with travis barker and it's rock pop punk but um you know he's he's a wild card i think people would say that about me why well, was go fuck yourself the right first single and introduction to this era? it was just what the label wanted to do does that suck yeah do you find yourself it's weird why do you have to battle for anything it you're black bear it's you know everybody everybody in artists bigger than me have to fight it's crazy have to fight and it's like if you don't have something that's like buzzing on tiktok like they don't even answer your phone calls it's, <laughs> it's like it, every all the all the jokes in movies are like true like the all the stuff that's like all the jokes that are like uh he's viral uh, let's talk to him and then wreck it Ralph they're like you're viral right now here's a drink and they give him a drink and they're like oh the, you were viral three seconds ago and they take the drink away and it's just like you know it's that's how it really is and by the way that's in wreck it Ralph yeah so like it's it's penetrating culture and the world is understanding what fleeting virality means more yeah. and more yeah which is your dad isn't that a little scary to like and I'm, I'm a product i created by the internet like my whole career Me too. Is because of that me too but it was the internet when it was my space and yes. when it was twitter and my space and alone and that's what i know and that's i only use instagram i try to use it but it's like it's like the instagram's all like tiktoks now anyways so yeah. like I don't know. I'm just like lost. And so I'm like, I'm a dad now. So I just hang out with my kids and I let uh, Isabel on our team. She does uh, the social media now and I just play with my kids and write songs. That's what I do. So that gave me uh, goosebumps, it, by the way. Like, <laughs> that's a great existence. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That's what I do. That's does that change the way you make art? Um, no i mean being a dad has yeah it changes your perspective settling down getting married and having kids like that's that slowed me down and and made it made it it made it to the point where i only work i only work uh for this week at a time and then uh the rest of the weeks i'm on tour or i'm with my family for this week and you know i think before i had a family it was like i would just stay up till seven in the morning sometimes all night like just on coke and just like making horrible songs that will never see the light of day and i don't I, I that's just what i was doing and then some of the songs made the albums and interesting yeah do you still keep those songs somewhere no they're deleted deleted yeah they're gone
what single would you have released if like what song were you fighting the label to release instead of go fuck yourself dead inside was my favorite yeah why was why did you think that was the right one it just feels good is that how you judge it's just a feeling um yeah yeah do you feel do you, like is the feeling the same though every time um no every song's feeling is different there's like different vibes for sure but, but is there a thread to the hits um yeah when a song when a song feels really fucking good it's usually gonna be like you know one of those one of those songs that everybody loves and i i, I don't know if the, if the vibe's right but yeah i i guess i i judge my i judge my work on how good it feels and yeah got it what are you thinking do you think they uh wanted go fuck yourself to be released first because machine gun kelly was on it and they wanted to help use that as like promotion yeah how does that make you feel um, it was okay because MG Colson's like one of my best friends and we have songs together and it only makes sense like we have so we have success with the other two songs that we released End together. End of the Road is so good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so we we have like four five songs together, but the last two that we did t together have done have done really well. And I think it was during that time and um the guy, you know, the people from my label heard the heard gfy and they were like this is the one this is the one and i was just like i believe you you know what you're doing and they were like we're going we're going with this one and you know and i just kind of yeah i, I don't know if it was a mistake or anything but no. it was it was just like they kind of picked it and i i kind of wish it was another song first but it's just i'm not like i don't hold resentments about it there is something special between you and mike posner and you and Kells, right? There has to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I work with a ton of people and like the special ones I like to keep around and keep making music with, uh, you know. And like you and Mike have been on such a fucking journey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, it, it's, do you remember writing Boyfriend with him? Like, Yeah, like it was yesterday. Well, do you, what, what was the move? What was the goal? Um, the the goal was to make to work on the song that we made we made at his video shoot. We we got a guitar. We started singing. We started singing something that kind of kind of had a good melody. And I have a I have the video still of of him recording and singing. And um, w the goal for that session was to make Mike's next big single, and it was going to be him and Rick Ross. And it was going to be called Bedroom. And it said, inside of your bedroom, no one has to know. Dun, 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 dun. Girl, take off your clothes. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it. we made it boyfriend and Scooter Braun heard it and was like, this is coming out next week on Bieber next week on radio like it, it was like that it quick it happened so fast there i guess they were like really scrambling for the perfect song for justin to become a adult yeah to be seen as like big justin and that song changes his life yeah it changed his life for sure did it change yours yeah huh. yeah i most money i've seen was ten thousand dollars that mike gave me <laughs> Um, when I moved to California and I was sleeping on an air mattress 
of the Palazzo um, on Hollywood. <laughs> by the Grove? By the Grove, yeah. <laughs> and and it was my friends, My I had like a friend who had like, like daddy money and he had the apartment. It was just horrible, like just like trash everywhere. And like I had an air mattress and a MacBook and that's all I, that's all I really had in my clothes. And uh, Mike gave me 10 grand to start uh, to start my life and yeah and so we made boyfriend and that was that was the first time I saw a million dollars and I was 21 and it was insane and I spent all the money really fast and I was I went broke again and I was living in Canoga Park with my brother and I was giving him $75 to go to the grocery store and buy groceries um, because that's what we could afford for the week, $75. And my G-Wagon was parked in the garage so it wouldn't get repoed. And like, I just, my whole story of, and that's when I decided, that's when I decided to make the Afterglow and bet on myself and do Black Bear and take this shit seriously and never go broke again because that was horrible, you know? Well, so that, that was motivating. Yeah. But also that song has to be validating that you have what it takes to play on the biggest level out there. Yeah. Like you can write with the best of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. It's pretty wild. And you haven't got, and you will not go broke. No. Ever again. No, I shouldn't. That's, <laughs> you, do you, you care about data? Cause you've referenced it a couple times in this conversation. Hell yeah. I'm an internet person. Yeah. I get it. I understand. Yeah. But like you do, sometimes I do try to trick myself and be like, it's feeling, it's emotion. It's people who come up to you. It's that one-on-one -on -one experience that you get when somebody. I think it is that and the data. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> By the way, like people who run away from data are running away from ugly data. Yeah. That I, that's a through line. What are you thinking? Speaking of Mike Posner, is this you killing the Mansions version of yourself on the cover of In Love? In, in no, Love, it's not. No, I just have green hair. Okay, because I saw no. a lot of people wondering if like you were sending a sign by killing off the green hair version of you. No, no, no. It, it's more of a. It's more of a. It's more of like a self sacrifice, kind of like death of ego, kind of like kill off kill off the bad version of yourself and like through making this album I was struggling really hard with opiates and um, you know I have chronic pancreatitis so I'm prescribed I was prescribed 120 Norcos every month for three years and so I was struggling really hard with pain pills and I was still like I was still sober but then I started overtaking them started snorting them and it kind of like i relapsed and like so i went back to rehab and that's what there's a song called back to rehab back in rehab on the album and um yeah i'm 36 days sober today congratulations yeah Congrats. thanks this album this <laughs> in loving memory you need to listen to it this album is different it just feels different from anything else even the way you're talking about it but mostly based on the era that it's attached to yeah how do you see this album? they actually asked me like somebody from my label like called me and they were like hey so since you i was in rehab they're like since you made this album while you were fucked up do you even want it to actually come out how'd you take that it really hurt because i was like i was i was struggling but like i was i didn't like make it like blacked out you know yeah i was struggling 
but like I didn't make it like blacked out. My heart was still in it. You were coherent. Yeah. And you were using it to actually heal. Yeah. And so that, that hurt a lot, but it is, it's a meaningful album and I hope people listen to it. But, yeah. And by the way, I just want to make something clear. Like what you go through and what you've been going through and manage is shared by tens and tens and tens of millions of other people all across this planet. Everybody's going through something. Mm -hmm. And in the same way this music has helped you, people will find healing from it. Yeah. And it will help them in the exact same way. I hope so. So to even question whether somebody wants to put that sort of art out into the world is not giving enough credit to art itself. No, they're not like, they're not really like paying attention to what I'm doing or, <laughs> or, you know, or talking to me or communicating with me and, you know, oh, God, I, whatever. Yeah, it makes you feel icky, you know? Yeah. What role does Travis play in this album? Um, drums. <laughs> like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Travis is the best man. Like, I'm glad you brought him up. Um, he, we made, we made the song the idea, and it was for his album. He was doing like he's he's still doing like an album with like different features on every song, kind of like Timbaland would do or whatever. Like he's he's doing a drum album where Sick. where each artist does a song on it. And the idea was my Black Bear song for the Travis Barker album. And once once we made that, I was like, oh, we already have one in the chamber if we want to make 10 mm. other songs or 11 other songs. And and I was I kind of had to fight for that song to be on my album. Yeah. So what is your process while working with him? Is it, are you giving him finished lyrics? Are you supplying him with like an acoustic, like you recording on a phone or just yourself? Um, some of it was like, some of it was like lyrics, lyrics, guitar, vocal. Then he, he kind of messed with the format of everything. Like he's like a format guy and he likes to be like, no, we're going to do this is the intro and it's only going to be half as long and then we're going to go into a fast part here and then the core the big chorus and like in dead inside like he was he was the one that was like it, there should be a big woo in it so like like he thinks of like little things to make the song like hooks and like top lines and like he's just like a genius and it's amazing to work with him well, those things can change the entire song yeah for the better yeah it also in some cases commercialize it make it catchy like there's a lot of yeah there's genius to his action travis did a lot and um some of the songs we did bring to him and he just played drums on got it and that was it but you know a lot of the songs he had a big part in changing it around and doing doing cool shit you know in loving memory is the album and there's also some crazy features on there i was not expecting truth. to see bayside anthony and the used right and newfound glory Bert, jordan like what so is everybody different in terms of your process um everybody had a different everyone had a different process with getting on my album are you talking about the features yeah like are you so like are you bringing again are you bringing finished records to newfound glory or are you getting into the studio and crafting from nothing together it was finished Got and it. i was like this is your part i know you better than you know you because i studied you when i was a kid <laughs> this is what you're singing and that's what it was like for the used bayside and and um newfound glory i it was it was just like these are the parts this is how it goes sing it or 
not be on the album. <laughs> but, like, but but really, how it all happened? I mean, bless those guys; they're the best. But like, I wanted I wanted them to do what I heard in my head yeah. because I wanted the old version of them that maybe they don't do anymore. And like, I just I wanted early two thousands versions of them. And like, so I don't know it it. It, it worked out. It was good. MGK MGK wrote his part, though, on GFY. Do you give any notes, or do you just let him do his thing? I made him rewrite it. Really? Yeah. No yeah. And he makes me rewrite all mine, too, when I send him verses. So we do that to each other. But, okay. Whether it's, like, for fun or whatever, it is actually pushing you to bring out the best, right? Yeah. Like, every time I send him a verse, he's like, I want the bratty bear. Like, the rich, angry, bratty bear that, like, you know, is is... At, on the rocks in Hollywood and <laughs> and is on coke and like he he like he wants that from me in verses and I'm like I want the old chip off the old block MGK um you know that's rapping I don't want pop punk MGK so I we challenge each other for sure that's a great friendship yeah it's great and a great creative collaborator yeah cuz not you don't feel comfortable to do that with everybody I mean, me and Colson only have like really real conversations. Like he was late. He was t- 30 minutes late to go on stage when we were on tour together because we were just talking. You know, it's just we have deep, deep conversations. He's just like a deep guy. That's special. Yeah. You can't have that with everybody. Yeah. And are there any similarities between your relationship with Kells and Mike? No. Totally different. Totally different. Mike's like, Mike's like my for real brother. Yeah. We're like we're actually related, and then like no, no. <laughs> it just feels like it. You know, he has a black bear tattoo. I have a Mike Posner tattoo. We're just like we're just like we're like lovers that don't fuck. <laughs> That's really special. Yeah, and he's also one of he he had a role in changing my life, and he's one of the coolest guys. Like yeah, he's great. He chose to give me time and interview with me at Bamboozle oh. when he first performed back in 2012. Yeah. And uh, definitely changed my life and my outlook and definitely gave me time when nobody needed to. And uh, he's fucking amazing. The genuinely sweetest person. He's so sweet. Yeah. He's never changed either. Like, he's always been so sweet. The same. And, like, his haircuts have changed. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. Big time, but that's it. He's only gotten more enlightened. That's it. God, that is so accurate. Yeah. But also, like, really cool to be around because you are the company you keep and i do believe mm-hmm. that real recognizes real so you recognize something within each other yeah for like, sure and you definitely have some similarities there yeah we just get each other musically like when when he does a part i freak out when i do a part he freaks out and we just freak out about each other you know just fans yeah we're just big fans of we're big fans of like when the real true version of ourselves come out or we're big fans of those real true versions of ourselves so god it's a really great relationship yeah do you guys ever discuss doing mansions too i know everybody is always asking you that we start in november you start in november yeah oh Oh, wow yeah (laughs) that's exciting do you know what color hair we're gonna do green sick okay cool I guess one. We'll, I guess we'll just wait to see what happens with that. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be any good, but do you have to go? Like, do you like go- you're Mike Posner getting together? Like, it's got to be good. Do you really think you guys would get in the in the studio together and create just like shit? No, I don't. I don't. But 
I don't know. It definitely won't be Mansions 1. Of course. There's no way. It'll be Mansions 2, and it'll be a sequel, and I hate sequels, so we'll see. <laughs> Sophomore albums are always tough. Yeah, they're weird. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not the debut. It's like a, It's like you're in, growing a little bit. Yeah, growing a lot of it. I mean, it's yeah. been five years. That's it. Yeah. But In Loving Memory is the current era. Yeah. Please listen to the album. It, it is a message to your birth dad. Yep. It, do you wish he could have heard it? No. I kind of made it like just like I'm a pretty spiritual person and I kind of I kind of just made it to tell him now that he is at peace and he's not struggling with those demons anymore and he can actually hear me and I just I just believe that he needed to hear it beyond the grave. Hmm. Why'd you end it with Hazel inside? Because that song, just from like the teasers you put out, sounds much more. Mellow. I wrote that with Mike, oh, actually. Did? Yeah, okay. um, Mike was watching my son like run around in the studio, and Mike just kind of started playing these chords on the guitar and started singing a verse, and and somehow it it just it was it was just a song about my son. And it, it's cool because it's the last song on the album and the album is kind of about my real dad. And then it ends with, with like me being a dad and, and I don't ever have to be like the real dad that was never there for me, you know? And yeah. God, the visual of you all is going to bring me to tears, dude. Like that's like really special. Yeah. Special. It's incredibly like full circle and like, yeah, gosh. Yeah. Life is crazy. Life is wow. <laughs> Please listen to In Loving Memory. What else are you thinking? Uh, the last question I had is, uh, you mentioned in the past that you send your music to Stephen Jenkins from Third Eye Blind. Yeah. Did you send him this album when it was finished? I didn't. Maybe I will like today. <laughs> Just pop it in the inbox? Yeah. Um, send them the box link? He's like one of the many people that I send stuff to and I'm like, hey, what do you think of this song? And he does the same to me for Third Eye Blind stuff. So like... <laughs> Casual. Yeah. And um, I was just a huge, huge fan of him growing up, and he's one of my biggest like influences. But now we're at a, a point where we're kind of like, I don't, I still see him as the best lyricist that's ever lived, and um, I we just see each other as as like music guys in different directions, doing different things, but we kind of give notes on songs, and yeah. Would you apply his notes? I I have before. Yeah, there's song the honest. There's a song on everything means nothing that he co-wrote um, a part. Yeah, <laughs> that's and just because you sent it back and forth. Yeah, I feel bad as um, he did the outro of the song. Wow. Yeah, it's casual and cool. Yeah, I mean you've worked with so many people. Is there anybody you look back on? You're like, I can't believe I worked with that person. Are you just like kind of starstruck by someone, or is it just normal at this point? Well. I can't believe that I worked with Chester Bennington before he passed yeah. on the last Linkin Park album. Like that kind of blows my mind. And he was just such a sweet person, such a kind soul. And like, um, just a beautiful person. And he also struggled with pancreatitis like I do. And he was in pain a lot of his life and the pain just got too bad every day for him. And I, I get it. And, um, you know, yeah, that blows my mind that I got to work with them and Mike Shinoda and Brad and all those guys are just so sweet. 
Yeah, didn't you get to work with Mike on a song for Chester after he passed? About yeah. You. yeah. Yeah. That was yeah, that was like pretty healing. Um I don't like remember much, but it was it was it was healing to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, Chester, he, he's one of the best screamers. His he is. his 18 second scream on Given Up is <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. Do, 18 do you, seconds, man. He screamed for 18 seconds and he just goes right back into singing. And he when he did it live, nailed it. It was like a it was like an actual recording. It was incredible. Yeah. I struggle with the verse of Hot Girl Bummers, so I don't know how he does that. <laughs> Which is hard, might I add. There was the Hot Girl Bummer challenge when it came out to like Correct. to do the whole verse without taking a breath, and I did it like easily. But um, a lot of people, yeah, it's it's hard. Oh, wait, the last question. I sorry, I keep to keep popping <laughs> in my head. Um, you have a Christmas song called "You Hate the Holidays." Classic. Do you don't you have a Christmas song? So, you about? do. You don't remember? You yeah you hate the holidays. I think it's I hate I hate the holidays. I hate the holidays. Yeah, it was like a Matt Musto song. Yeah, not yeah. a Black Bear song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do you still feel that way? Like I feel like holidays change once you have kids. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing when I was that age. <laughs> that came out when I was literally twelve years old. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I I love the holidays. <laughs> I still relate to it though. By the way. I mean, I, I'm fine with I've I've love hate relationship with it. Yeah, just some years you're just like, oh, this again. Yes, truth. And then some years you're like, I'm like already ready to go to Christmas this year. <laughs> but it does like kids do change the way you treat even the most minor holidays. Like yeah, Fourth of July is a thing. Yeah, Flag Day could even be a thing. Oh yeah, you know, like everything at, at Easter, everything's <laughs> a thing. Yeah, Easter egg hunts at my house are sick yeah we have 15 acres out in the country so like wow. we have crazy easter egg hunts okay you go for you go for 48 hours see you in two days yeah <laughs> good luck hundred dollar bills and the eggs and stuff sick i'm a sick i'm a sick person yeah i'll invite myself next year. yeah thanks you just have to search three acres to find <laughs> one i mean for a hundred bucks i'll do a lot uh <laughs> Please listen to a loving mem uh, in loving memory. Uh, there's going to be a link in the description below. Also, all of Black Bear's music is available right here on Amazon Music. Listen to it. I uh, really can't thank you enough, man, for taking the time. Yeah, today. thank you guys. You're Appreciate you, Zach and Dan. Really incredibly special. So thanks. Yeah, Black Bear, everybody. <laughs> Hello, beautiful human. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation with Black Bear. I really appreciate you giving us your time and energy today. It means a lot. If you want to see the video of this interview, it's up. Zach Sang Show on YouTube, search it. Also, let us know who we should talk to next. That's Zach Sang Show on any form of social media. We're always around. Subscribe to our podcast, share with those you care about, and be safe. Hug your family, don't go to jail. Have a great day. Keep listening to music because it helps make the world go around. And I'll talk to you real soon. Peace and love. By the way, today's episode is made possible by a few incredible humans, including our executive producers, Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Dylan Martyr, Dan Zola, Joshua Rusak, and Olivia Rodensky. Our senior director, Toby Lawless. Our associate producers, Eve Bishop and Claudia Villarreal. Our music is by James Asciutto. Our editor is Camera Carlos Gomez. Our sound mixer is Daniel Chavez-Crook. Our post-production manager is Caroline Rude. And I'm your host and executive producer, Zach Sang. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I'll talk to you real soon.